I don't know why I'm up here. I got nothing to offer. I'm not the only teacher in the room. And I can't sing or play guitar like these gifted people behind me. So what's the point? I mean, I look around the room and I see better evangelists than me, stronger leaders than me, people with more faith than me, so many servant-hearted people. I got nothing. Sometimes in Christian circles, we talk about spiritual gifts. I'm pretty sure I don't even have one. <laughs> okay, take two, take two. Never fear, I am here. I don't know what would become of this place if it weren't for me. I'm the only good thing going around here. You guys are lucky to have me. It's obvious that I have the gift of teaching, and the gift of teaching is the only important spiritual gift. I don't even know if you guys are needed. I guess you can stay, but you're not really important. So you can just watch if you want. I'm in charge. I got it all under control. Anybody want to go? <clears throat> Should I do a take three? Hopefully, 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 it's painfully obvious that those are two uh, over-the-top, ridiculous caricatures. Where, did you trust me on that? Neither of those was the truth out of my mouth. <laughs> we got two extremes there, two uh, caricatures, extremes uh, of one first being inferior and the second be me being acting superior, right? And I can assure you that those are not my heart. I, I, I feel neither inferior nor superior around here in, in, our, in my church family. I, I don't feel inferior. I feel loved. I, I know that I'm welcome. I know that God has purposes for me and, and ways that he um, uh, chooses to use me. Nor, though, do I feel superior um, because I know that I need others, that we need others. And, uh, and I know I am well aware of the fact that I am not gifted or, or shaped for everything, to do everything, uh, and that kind of thing. So what am I, what, what's all that about? Well, we are in a series of messages that we're calling More Than a Building because we're talking about what is the church. The church is more than a building. We don't want to get stuck with this idea that the church is just a building, a facility that we come to. And we don't want to get stuck with the idea that church is just a time slot, or Sundays only, or, or it's an event, it's a program that happens for an hour. Church is more than a building, and we've been talking plenty about how church is God's people. We've put it this way, that, that the church is family made up of growing followers of Jesus, and we're joining together on God's mission of love to the world and of proclaiming the good news of Jesus so church is more than a building. And today, within that series, uh, our emphasis today is how do we participate in the church? Why, why is it important that we serve? Why, how do we know that we have something uh, to contribute to what God is up to? Uh, so grab your Bibles if you haven't already and open to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 
We are going to continue this morning looking at this amazing metaphor. The, the writer of this letter to the, to the church in Corinth, the writer, Paul, uses this amazing metaphor comparing the church, God's people, you and I, followers of Jesus. Paul compares the church to the human body and the parts of the human body. And so we want to take a look at that uh, here in just a moment. So turn to, in your digital Bible or in your paper Bible to 1 Corinthians 12, and in a moment, we'll start at verse 12. But as you get there, um, let me pray. Father God, we sang a few minutes ago, I lift my hands up, I surrender. And God, I pray that that would be my posture right now. I pray that would be all of our posture, looking up, opening our hands to you, surrendering our hearts and minds to hear from you. Father, we, we, we want to go further, deeper, higher. God, would you open our hearts and minds to hear from you, that, not that we would just, uh, just move on with our day or move on with our lives, but God, would you speak to us such that we would hear and be changed by your word. God, uh, work in us this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and, and uh, this is where Pastor Ed was last Sunday, and it's where I am again today, as you'll see in a moment, that we are taking kind of different uh, but complementary uh, emphases. We are emphasizing different things, uh, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, many parts, and all of the members of the body, though there are many, are one body. So it is with Christ for, for followers of Jesus. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we all were made to drink of one spirit. As I said, we're looking at the same passage really that we did last week. Uh, and Pastor Ed last week, his emphasis was on the unity, on the oneness of the body of Christ. His emphasis last Sunday was, when we think about this metaphor, comparing the church to the human body, his emphasis was on, let's, let's consider the importance of, of the whole unit, the whole body, that, that there are individual parts, but they make up one body, or one church. And so, uh, and by the way, I am so thankful for Pastor Ed. He is such a blessing to me. Isn't he a blessing to our church family? And um, he was excellent last Sunday, urging us. I got to listen to it. Um, urging us, exhorting us, encouraging us to strive toward unity, to being one in Jesus, to being one under the head who is Jesus as we think about this body metaphor. So he encouraged us last week that, that yes, we are many individuals, but we, we must ask God to help us be integrated into, into a unit, into a whole, into a body that is glorifying to him. And uh, so, so what does that look like? You know, we, we, we how do we strive toward unity? Well, there's so many potential differences among us. Do we ask God to help us strive toward togetherness? Are we, do we, are we consumed in thinking about uh, our own preferences and our own opinions or, or what would help us to feel comfortable? Or are we gathered together striving for oneness, for unity as a church family? So I appreciated Pastor Ed on that. 
last Sunday. This week as I prepared, here's a couple of quotes from one of the commentators I studied. This is, listen to this privilege we have of God forming us into the body of Christ. The, it's this, he wrote this, the ministry of Jesus through his physical body on earth, so thinking 2,000 years ago, son of God, come to be with us, he wrote this, the ministry of Jesus through his physical body on earth is continued today in the ministry of his body, who? The church, God's people. This is incredible. Today, he wrote, Jesus manifests himself, he reveals himself to the world through who? The church, through you, through God's people. Jesus' ministry to the world continues through you. It's amazing that we have the opportunity together to be the body of Christ. So we're going to use this summary statement here uh, and refer to it a few times this morning. The body of Christ is many unique and gifted individuals. And that's really what we're going to look at today is this uniqueness, this diversity, the differences of all the parts of the body that I look around and see. The body of Christ is many unique and gifted individuals who form one interdependent and caring community. And that was really Pastor Ed's emphasis last Sunday is those parts forming one. Um, can you, here's a couple of things I want to, I want to see if you relate to. Uh, who would consider themselves to be somewhat mechanical? Mechanically inclined, got a little skill. Okay, good. I got to put my hand down. I was actually like demonstrating for you, but I am not mechanical. Okay. My brother is um, pretty, uh, pretty good and has done a lot of work on his own truck. And he actually turned his Ford Ranger into what's called a pre-runner, which is one of those desert kind of pseudo race trucks. And uh, he didn't actually race it, but he would take it to Mexico and participate in the Baja 500 and the Baja 1000, and not as a race truck, but as a support truck to the race teams and, and would drive all over the desert on the racetrack, et cetera, et cetera, and deliver fuel and tires. And so he, over the years, had transformed his Ford Ranger into this pre-runner and had done most of the work himself, uh, installed a roll cage, uh, swapped out the back end for the back end from another vehicle. I don't even know what that means, but I'm pretty sure he did it. Um, other repairs, you know, this needed a new part in the engine. Maybe it needed a whole new engine. I don't know. But he would do it. He would, he would do these things on his own. And I know many of you are capable of this. And so I'm wondering if anybody else relates to this story that he told me. Is he would get this job done. He would swap out this part or change out the back end. And when he'd get done, he'd look at it. It looked nice. And then he'd look over to the side. And there's a little paper bag of, quote, unquote, extra parts. Anybody else had that experience when you got done with a job? I'm no mechanic, but I, that made me nervous. Anybody ever bought anything from Ikea? Anybody ever put anything together from Ikea? Okay, you go to Ikea, you got this piece of furniture your husband or your wife wants, and they want it in a certain spot, and so you get out the instructions, and you do your best to follow the instructions, and you put it all together, and it fits in the spot, and it looks nice, and then you look over to the side, and there's still little plastic bags with a few of these things left. It's extra parts. Did they give me extra, or did I mess up somewhere, and they're not supposed to be there? What's the deal with these extra parts? In the church, church family, in the church, amongst God's people, I will say over and over to you this morning that there are no spare parts. 
There are no extra parts. There are no unneeded parts. There are none, no unimportant parts. There's no, there's no random leftovers in the church family. You with me? Um, so when we think about the church being many unique individuals, but forming one community, we're going to look at this today. There's, there's an individual aspect to the body of Christ, and there's also a community aspect. And here's the individual piece on the screen. Every believer, each and every one of you who are followers of Jesus, is a significant, unique part of the body of Christ. That's why I'm saying there are no spare parts. There's no random leftovers. There's no, you don't get to the end and there's someone that was unneeded. Someone that didn't have a part to play in the church. When I first walked up here this morning, when I first walked up here, what was I doing? Body language, tone of voice. I was being inferior, right? Well, yes, I'll get to that in a moment. Anybody know who Eeyore is? Poor me, right? When I first got up here, I was, being, I was acting inferior, as if I was unimportant, as if I had nothing to offer the church family. It's kind of Eeyore syndrome. And so, so as we read, as we continue in God's word right now, as I read these next few verses, I want you to listen for the humor, because I think Paul was writing with humor. When you, when you hear these next few verses, the ridiculous statements that he makes, kind of the picture that he wants us to envision, he's writing with humor. And so pardon my poor Eeyore uh, impersonation. Let's continue in verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less of a part of the body, it says there in the Bible. Verse 16, and if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. In other words, those few verses are saying we need not feel, we cannot feel inferior. We are, each part is important. Each part is uh, needed. How do we know that? How do we know that we are needed in the church family? How do we know that each part is important? How do we know that you and I are necessary contributors to the body of Christ, the church? I want to suggest one thing. There's probably lots of answers to that question. How do you know you're valuable? How do you know you have something to contribute? But here's one thing I want to suggest. Spiritual gifts. The existence of spiritual gifts. Gifts from God to believers in Jesus for his church and for his glory. And, um, and, and I'm not going to take this, uh, the time this morning to go in detail through verses 1 to 11, but I would encourage you to do so when you get a chance. Take a look back this afternoon or tomorrow morning in your time with Jesus. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I mean, first, sorry, chapter 12, but read the first 11 verses before where we started today. And, it's, and it's a, it's a, it's a little, it'll give you an overview about spiritual gifts. But here's some things I want to highlight on the screen about spiritual gifts. What are they? What are, what are spiritual gifts? They are grace gifts from God. This is not something you earned, that you sought after and, and got for yourself. This is not a natural ability. It's a gift of God's grace to followers of Jesus. 
What are spiritual gifts? It's a special enablement. It's a special ability. Again, not a, not a, I'm not talking about natural talents or abilities. Followers of Jesus and non-followers of Jesus have talents and abilities and things they're good at and skills that they can learn and get better at. That's not this. Spiritual gifts are a grace gift from God, an enablement, a, an abil- a supernatural ability by the power of the Spirit at work in you. Who has spiritual gifts? What's it say? I got to remind you guys once in a while. Feel free to participate. Who has a spiritual gift? Every follower of Jesus. When you become a follower of Jesus, when you entrust yourself to Jesus, when you give your life to Jesus, the Spirit of God dwells within you, and the Spirit is transforming you from the inside out. And one of the things that comes with the Spirit living within you is this supernatural empowerment. We are given a spiritual gift, maybe more than one, I don't know. Uh, and why? Why do we have spiritual gifts? What does it say up there? For the common good. I came up here and said, hey, I must have this spiritual gift. I'm so cool. But I was being sarcastic. That, that, that obviously, spiritual gifts are for the good, the common good, for the church family. We're not, we don't have a spiritual gift from God so that we can look great and be set apart and, and be somehow better than others. We are given spiritual gifts so that we can give them to our church family in serving and using them and all for his glory. The purposes of our spiritual gifts are to be used in the church for his glory. And I love that last one up there. Um, just how do we get spiritual gifts? Just as he determines. This should be an encouragement. It's not an accident what spiritual gift you have. It's not random. It's just as God determines. When you became a follower of Jesus, when you were indwelled by the Holy Spirit, and God uh, gave you a spiritual gift, it's just as he determines. Uh, uh, Have some of you had a chance to reflect on or consider or or do some, some thinking about what your spiritual gift might be? Have some of you had that opportunity? In the life of being a Christian, perhaps a few of you have had a time to think about this, read on this before, perhaps um, get input from others and think about uh, what your own spiritual gift might be. Uh, what's your experience in, in Christian circles, though? Do you ever, have you ever experienced um, uh, where, have you ever, have you ever, have you ever, has it ever seemed like one gift is more important than the other? Um, have you, have you, in Christian circles, and thinking through what are spiritual gifts, uh, does it ever seem like um, one is overemphasized or, or considered more important than the others? Which one have you thought that about? Teaching. I think teaching as a spiritual gift is often overemphasized in the church. And I'm not just talking about our church, but the church, followers of Jesus. And here's what, I, here's what I'm bringing up about this. And here's why I think it's interesting. There was some research done several years ago asking Christians about what spiritual gift they thought they had. And 28% of followers of Jesus thought, uh, responded that they had the gift of teaching. Okay, interesting. Let's think about this. The New Testament says there's, uh, depending on how you count the spiritual gifts in the New Testament, there's, there's 14 or 15 or perhaps upwards of about 20 different spiritual gifts listed in the New Testament. If God is giving out spiritual gifts and he wants the gifts to be recognized, all, all recognized in the church, if a, if a church gathers together, if God's people gather together, I think that all the spiritual gifts are going to be 
um, present. Does that make sense? And so, so it seems like, to, I don't have, I don't, this is just me thinking now. It seems like God would distribute the gifts pretty equally so that when Christians get together, there would be an expression of lots of different spiritual gifts. And so I just am curious if Christians are asked what their spiritual gift is and 28% respond that it's teaching, is that true? Or is it that we've so overemphasized teaching as a spiritual gift that, that you just kind of want it, so you say you've got it? It's interesting. And, and I'm not saying that we, don't, we have teachers. There are plenty of people that are gifted in teaching. But, but, but should there be this overemphasis on one gift? Or is there a diversity of gifts, just like there is a diversity of significant, unique individuals that God has put together as one community? There are no spare parts. There are no unnecessary parts. There are no less important parts. There's no leftovers. Let's look at verse 17. Continuing on in verse 17. Keep your finger in the text, because I'll keep, keep going to and from our text in the Bible here. Verse 17. Paul's humor continues. If the whole body were an eye... Everybody got your imagination caps on? Some of you are followers of Jesus who have read the Bible a few times before, and you've heard this passage before. Would you read it with new eyes this morning and with your imagination caps on, please? Okay, ready? If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each of them, as he chose. If all were a single part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. I want to, I want to read you a different translation of verse 19. Uh, there's a translation of the Bible called The Message that Eugene Peterson wrote, and he used really colorful, everyday language. And it's not the most strict, detailed Bible translation, but it's, it's one that gives us a picture and helps us think things through in a new way. And so in The Message, Eugene Peterson translated verse 19 this way. An enormous eye or a gigantic hand wouldn't be a body, but a monster, right? I mean, can you think about a giant eye and nothing else? That's not a body, that's a monster. And when I think of a, of a monster with a giant eye, I think of Mike Wazowski from Monsters Incorporated, right? But, but that's not even an accurate picture of what Paul just wrote, because what he just wrote was, if the whole body were an eye. I mean, Mike Wazowski has other body parts. But I mean, Paul's even being more ridiculous. If the whole body, if the whole church family were a giant eyeball, where would the sense of hearing be? Right? And so I'm just making the comparison. If the whole church family were the gift of teaching, if it was just one, if we as a church family were just one giant spiritual gift of teaching, where would mercy be? Where would helps be? Where would wisdom be? Where would discernment be? Administration, faith, 
so think for a second how maybe God made you and how wired you and abilities he gave you and, and, and what spiritual gift he gave you. Do we spend more time worried about what spiritual gift we do or don't have? Or should we spend more time looking around us at the uniqueness of the giftedness of God's people around us and how all the gifts are, are present and how when God works in his people and when he pulls these many individuals together into one community, do we look around and appreciate the diversity, the mix, the interesting uh, combination of, of people and of spiritual giftedness? God arranged us, church family, just as he wanted us to be. He gave you the spiritual gift he gave you just as he determined. And he brought us together as a church family in a combination of uniqueness and spiritual gifts just as he wanted. We need differences. We need individuals. We need the various gifts. So remember our summary phrase. The body of Christ, the church, is many unique and gifted individuals who form one interdependent means depending on each other, needing each other, and, and caring community. And I said that there's a, I said earlier there's a, an individual aspect and a community aspect. So here's the community aspect. Uh, the body of Christ is made up of many parts that need and care for one another. So we already covered the individual aspect. The individual aspect is that each believer is significant, that you, follower of Jesus, are important and unique, and you are, are a necessary part of the body of Christ. But here's the community piece. Here's the part about individuals being put together in one church family, is that the body of Christ is made up of many parts that need and care for one another. There's no spare parts. There's no leftover parts. There's no Lone Ranger parts off on their own. My second example, the second time I walked up here, the first time I was being inferior and dejected and not important, the second time I walked up here, yeah, look at me. I'm all that. I'm the only one important. I'm all that we need. I got all the gifts. Check me out. That time, I was being superior that I don't need others. I was acting like I don't need others. I got it all together. I can serve God on my own. I can take this church and accomplish the mission. I don't need all of you. That's ridiculous. We can't, we, you and I, followers of Jesus, with our spiritual giftedness and all of our uniqueness and all of our desire to be individuals, we can't do it alone. We can't feel superior. Look at verse 21. How do we see this in the scripture? How do we see this not being superior thing? Verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head can't say to the feet, I have no need of you. Friends, it's pretty obvious, right? When we think about the, the picture of the body and, and the parts of the body, we don't function well on our own. One giant eyeball is really good at seeing. One giant eyeball has nothing else. Right? And so we don't function well on our own. Our gifts, our uniqueness, our individuality is best when it's in conjunction with other followers of Jesus. When, it's, when our, our gifts are, are working best for the health of the body, when it's in conjunction with, other, uh, with, with spiritual gifts of others. So think about putting 
body parts together for a good purpose here. We thought about individual. You're an eye, you're an ear, you're a fingernail, you're a leg, you're a heart. Okay, we got that. We're all individuals. We're all unique, significant, an important part of the body. Now, what happens when you put some of these body parts together for an important purpose? Uh, it's been a long time since I've been in school. I'm not a physiology expert, but let's think about the digestive system for a minute. And when you think about the digestive system, is that like a really uh, exciting body system to think about? Or do you think about kind of weird stuff? Okay, that'll come in handy in a minute. The digestive system. Lots of parts working together. Important purpose? Important purpose. Lots of individual parts, mouth, esophagus, stomach, liver, pancreas, intestines, etc., etc. I probably don't want to get more specific, right? Different parts together as a system, the digestive system. Important purpose? So we can take in food, process the food into nutrients that are useful to the body. God's perfect orchestration for the uniqueness of our body. Parts working together in a system. Verse 22. Verse 22. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker. So remember, sorry, back up to verse 21. We had just said the thing about superior, right? The eye can't say, I have no need of you. You're not an important body part. You have no function. You're not important. We don't need you. Okay, now 22. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are what? Indispensable. The parts that seem weaker, that seem kind of odd to talk about, that seem, that seem behind the scenes that we're never, not sure what they're there for. Indispensable. And on those parts, and uh, verse 23, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. Our temptation would be to think about the high-profile parts, the high-profile spiritual gifts. Our temptation would be to look and say, oh, I think there's certain roles in the church, certain people in the church, certain spiritual gifts in the church that are more prominent and more important, and so those must be the strong spiritual gifts. Those must be the, the valuable spiritual gifts. Those must be the only ones that are really important. But what actually happens around here on a Sunday morning? What actually happens? Is the ministry of Faith Church on Sunday mornings during our worship gatherings all because of Derek Olson? <sighs> please answer and please say no. Is the ministry of Faith Church only about the spiritual gift or the role that's up here and prominent and public? No. You know what goes on around here? Many of you do know what goes around here on around here on a Sunday morning. And if you don't, let me enlighten you. There are indispensable teams of people, body parts, that are working behind the scenes and in front of the scenes and next to you and around you and before you got here and after you leave here for the common good of the church family and for the glory of Jesus. There's a couple of high-profile parts, but there's a ton of critically important, indispensable, significant, unique, 
contributors to indispensable teams of people that serve our children and our youth and serve as ushers and musicians and welcome teams and on and on and on and open up the campus and close up the campus and clean up the campus and, and do paperwork that's needed and, and, and lead and help and teach and pray. And do you get the idea? Friends, I'm glad that's not all me because you do not want me doing all that stuff. You do not want me trying to do it all. God has um, a clear plan for the function of the church and, and to be many unique and gifted individuals who form one caring community. There are no spare parts. There are no insignificant, unneeded, extra, leftover parts. So whether you feel like a strong contributor or you feel like a lesser spiritual gift, it's not true. You are significant and needed, and we work best together. We need each other. But what's our, what's our culture tend to tell us? What does sometimes what does our upbringing tell us? What does sometimes our own desire to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps might tell us that it's about individual, and it's about carving my own way, and it's about being responsible for myself, and it's about making things happen on my own? No, it's not. You're a part of the body because we need each other. Let's look at the, let's continue in our passage verse, uh, in the middle of verse 24. But God has so composed the body, he has so made up the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there, so that, why? So that there may be no division in the body, but that members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Why did God bring many individual unique parts and put them together into one caring community? It says there in verse 25, so that there will be no division in the body. But think about it, church family, how easily as humans we divide over things that don't matter and how we bicker about small things and how we complain and, and how we change churches too quickly and easily. But the passage we just read says that the opportunity God is, is putting before you in bringing you individuals together into one, into one family is the opportunity we have in those last couple of verses that there's equal care for one another. That when, that, that when we suffer, someone's with us. And when we rejoice, someone is rejoicing with us. And this happens when we have life in community, when we live in friendship and in relationship with other followers of Jesus. And so, of course, on, at Faith Church, we want you here on Sunday mornings in our big gatherings with God's people to worship and to celebrate and to learn from God's word. But we also can't urge you often enough and we can't urge you enough to also make sure that you are connected in our church family to a smaller group of people where you can actually know who other people are, know about them, and where they can know you. We can't, we can't encourage you enough to find a place in our church family where you can be in a smaller group of people so that you can tell the truth about your life and receive God's love anyway through other people. Because life's messy and we're broken, but, but God's given us a family of individuals connected into one family so that we can, um, we can walk together. Some of you know that... Uh, some of you know that uh, my family and I are, are experiencing, you know, some hard stuff, going through a really difficult season. And I can say 
that I don't know where we would be if it weren't for God's care to us through the body, through the, God's people, through church family. So, so I say that because I know I'm not alone in that. I know we're not alone in that. I know that you have deep waters that you tread through. I know that you have ups and downs. I know that like the passage said, you have things that are suffering and, and, and you could use someone to suffer along with you and you have things that you are rejoicing in and you could use someone to rejoice with you. And so, so I say that, that, that God's care to us is coming to us through the people he has put in our lives just to encourage you. Do you have that in place? Because probably coming here for an hour on Sunday morning isn't going to give you the relationships and the connectedness with other parts of the body where you can live life and be cared for and be supported and be known and helped to grow in Jesus. Verse 27. Verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles. So he starts to list some of these spiritual gifts, some of these roles in the church, the importance of each individual. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Now here's the questions I want us to consider. I want to read these questions that that, that Paul wrote. And the way he wrote them um, assumes an answer from you. And so I'm going to read the question, and I want you to answer it out loud. Verse 29, are all of you apostles? Are all prophets? Are all of you teachers? Do all of you work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all of you speak in tongues? Do all of you interpret? No, he wrote this very in, in, very specifically for a very important reason. He wrote these questions so that you would think about them, so that you would give that implied answer, so that we could be reminded you don't have to have certain gifts. You don't have to have a certain gift. You don't have to have all the gifts. You don't, each of you doesn't have to have the same gift. God made you just the way you are, unique and significant. He's given you the spiritual gift, as we have said earlier, just as he determines. We need each other. We need the whole body. We need each part contributing. We need each part doing its, what it was made to do so that the whole body is, is as healthy as possible, functioning well, for the good of the church and for the glory of Jesus. And when we think of the body, and I talked about this a couple weeks ago, sometimes we relate to a body that's not quite fully functioning. We've got an ailment or we've got an injury or we've got a limp or perhaps you have some way that you relate to this when, when a certain body part or two isn't functioning the way it should, the whole body is affected, right? And, 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 when, and in, the, in the circles I read and go to conferences and, and have been in ministry a long time, there's a, there's a lot of experts out there that look at churches across the country. I'm not describing our church specifically. I'm talking about a, church, a, com, a problem that is common to the local church, is that too often what, what people find, what leaders find, what churches find, is that 20% of the people, of God's people in a local church, are doing 80% of the work. Does that sound like a fully functioning body? No. 
But I don't want to just dwell there on, on kind of the negative of, of, okay, you know, are only a few people doing the majority of the ministry. I, I want to point this out because I want to talk about the positive side. I want to talk about why do we serve? Why ought you obey Jesus and participate in the church family? Why should you connect and engage and be part of a church family? Why should you use your gifts? Verse 27 said it. Now you are the body. Together you are one. You are the body of Christ. And you are individually members of it. I think this is is important to think about this. That they go together. Together you are one. The body. And yet you are also individually part of it. And I want, us, I want us to see this. Both sides benefit. Your and my individual contribution to the church family benefits the church family. Yes? I look around and I see so many people that are serving and using their gifts and helping and, and doing what God has made them to do. And I know it's true. Your individual use of your spiritual gift is beneficial To the body, yes. And the body, the church family, is a blessing to you individually. Yes? Like the body. Individual parts are important and contributing. Individual parts, important and contributing. And they benefit the whole body. And the whole body benefits the part. The body needs you, friends, and you need the body. The church family needs you, and you need the church family. And, and, I, and you just have to, maybe you just have to take my word for it, that as, that, that as you find your place in the body, as you find how you're wired and made and gifted and, and where you are to be plugged in and where you are to serve, you will grow and learn and be blessed. It, 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 you, we don't serve just because there's some need, or we don't serve out of guilt because we think we should. We serve because as we serve and we give and we use our spiritual gift, God works in us. You need the body, and the body needs you. So I, so, so I urge you to be a contributing part. Be a member of the body that's, that's functioning, that's activated, that's, be, that's serving its purpose. Be a, a part of the body that's contributing. Allow God to use you for the common good and for kingdom purposes, because there are no spare parts. The body needs you, and you need the body. There's no extras. There's no sideways, side parts that don't get used and, and, and get thrown away. As we wind down here, uh, I know some of you might be thinking, what is my spiritual gift? You know, maybe, I, maybe, I haven't, maybe you haven't had a chance to think about this before, study this before, or know what is my spiritual gift? Perhaps what, what, how has God made me to contribute to the church family? And I want to say this. It's worth investigating. I could, we could share resources with you or uh, suggest ways that you might be able to get a sense of your spiritual gift. But I want, to, I want to just put that aside for a second and suggest this. You want to know what your spiritual gift is? Just try stuff. Just give it a shot. I mean, I could, say, I could say, well, here's a spiritual gift test, and why don't you order these three books, and why don't you spend the next 17 weeks reading three books and getting overwhelmed with knowledge from geeky people about spiritual gifts? Or you could just try stuff. 
just jump in and serve. Just be an active part. Be a contributing part of the body. And here's three clues on the screen that I think you'll, you'll see that if you're using your spiritual gift. If you jump in somewhere, if you volunteer somewhere, if you look at that list on the insert in your bulletin that's conveniently there this week, <laughs> there's a whole list in your bulletin of ways to contribute in our church family, and it just happens to be there. But if you jump in somewhere and if you just try something, I think you'll find these things. If you jump in and try something and you find joy in it, if you uh, see fruit from it, you serve in a way that helps others grow spiritually or helps you grow spiritually, and if others affirm it, if others say about you, you know what, I noticed that such and such, and I think you have that spiritual gift, that, then, then you're going to know what your spiritual gift might be. Um, and if you jump in and you try something and you serve in a way and, it, and, it, you, know, and you don't find joy in it or you don't feel, you know, it's okay. Ditch it. Try something else. That's what I'd recommend when it comes to wondering what your spiritual gift is. And let's conclude with this. Verse 31. Look at how Paul ends this section. This is really important. Look how he ends this section. Verse 31. But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And he doesn't mean more important. He doesn't mean higher profile. He doesn't mean, he means desire the gifts that benefit the body. Desire spiritual gifts that bless others and that proclaim Jesus, and that build up the church family, and that glorify him. Don't, don't seek after something that's just for your own benefit or, or to make you look cool. Seek after the higher gifts that benefit the church family. And then what does he say? And I will show you a still more excellent way. He just got done saying, hey, there's this spiritual gift and there's that spiritual gift, and maybe you have this, and maybe that's your role in church. And then he goes, you know what, though? I'm going to show you a still more excellent way. What's he talking about? He's leading us into, verse, I mean, into chapter 13. And do anybody know what chapter 13 is about? Love. He's saying, man, you could be an evangelist. You could be an apostle. You might have the gift of healing. You might, be, you might have a lot of faith. You might be a teacher. But you know what? Let me tell you the best thing of all is let me tell you the best way of all to live, the best way of all to serve Jesus, the best way of all to be a blessing to your church family. Love. Look to serve and give out of love for one another and for the glory of Jesus. The body of Christ is many unique and gifted individuals who form one interdependent and caring community. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have a spiritual gift and a part, an important, significant, unique role to play, to contribute to our church family because there are no spare parts. There's no extra. There's no leftover. You are needed. The body needs you. The church family needs you. And you need the church family. Father God, thank you for teaching us through your word this morning. God, we thank you that you uh, bring us together, that we are individuals and that we are unique and that we are different. And we thank you for that. God, we need that. We look around this morning and we thank you for the, the diversity and the creativity that we see of you in each other. Thank you, God, for, for uniqueness and individuality. God, we need one another. So God, thank you for bringing us together, for forming all that uniqueness, all that differentness into one unified church family. God, we pray that you would continue to do that in and through us, that you would help us to see 
the importance of our individual contribution, but God, I pray that you would help us even more to see that we need one another and that you have formed us into one family. So God, as the ushers come forward now and as we lift our voices in song, we want to honor you, uh, not for our own sake, not for, not, for, uh, not for what we need, but we want to honor you. We want to give to you. We want to contribute to our church family um, because of thankfulness for who you are and your greatness and your love for us. So God, we give our gifts and we lift our voices and we lift our prayers so that you would get all the glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.